0: Okay, can we take a moment just off the top of this hour to celebrate somebody who is, I think, pretty incredible? I mean, you got to be pretty incredible to last at any job for, how about this, 46 years. But even more incredible, this Edmonton teacher is calling it quits after teaching in the same classroom for 46 years. Same school, same classroom for pretty much as long as I've been alive. His name is Randy Smith. He taught industrial arts at Vernon Barford Junior High since 1976. He thinks he has taught... uh, Let me welcome Mary, who's producing, of course, and Loretta on the board into this conversation. How many students do you think... Mary has gone through his classroom since 1976.
1: Uh, well, math is not my favorite subject, so I'll say a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you'd be right, because he thinks it's upwards of 20,000. And Amazing. not only that, but he, well, of course, uh, fell in love and met his wife uh, at the school uh, as well. She was the home ec uh, teacher at the time. And he says he's not done with teaching, though. He's got a lot of things to teach his two grandchildren. But uh, bravo and congratulations to uh, Randy Smith. It's just amazing when you just sit back and think for a second about the influence this man has had on so many young people's lives.
1: Absolutely. Way to go. And, you know, I mean, if we think back, right, Jeff, we could probably and Loretta, we could probably think of some of those teachers that made that kind of impact on us. Maybe not the 46 years, but... You know, who are really dedicated to their class and their kids.
0: Yeah. For me, it always is first and foremost, and kind of funny since I detailed for you, I think just last week, how bad, okay, crappy (laughs) I am at math. But it was my grade eight math teacher, Mr. Rhodes. And he was so good because, I mean, if you could get me interested in math, you're doing something right. It was like every day you went into his class it was like he was putting on like a, a show. He was entertaining, wow. he worked hard to get to get your attention, keep your attention. And I still remember he had a catchphrase. Every time somebody got a question wrong, he would always go Achiwawa. no (laughs) that's adorable yeah (laughs) the big colorful suspenders on and listen teaching is such a tough job i really appreciate anybody who can do it to the level he did mary is there somebody for you that kind of really stands out
1: yeah absolutely mr craig lee mr craig lee was an elementary school teacher of mine and similar approach so enthusiastic so much fun always just a bright light when you'd walk in the room and he also taught music and he just was so full of joy and he made everything so effortless, even if you were struggling with a subject, you know, because elementary school teachers would teach a lot of different things. And he was just always so inspirational. And I had the opportunity to have him on this radio station because he was actually on the Diamond Princess when it docked in Japan. And even to this day, when we reconnected and now we're connected once again on Facebook, he was still educating. He was still informing and reminding people about what's important in life and telling us when it was early early days in this COVID situation explaining and helping to educate and inform what we should all do to stay safe and can I ask you when you reached
0: out to him sorry and contacted him did he remember you right away
1: he did
0: Okay, he did he did. remember you in a good way or a bad way was he like, Oh Mary? Or he's <laughs> like oh hi Mary <laughs> He returned he returned my call, so I'm yeah, guessing okay. it was good. <laughs> you know.
1: Is it, oh you're oh you're Joanne's sister. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I think my sister made a little more of an impression, but what a great inspiration and uh, he continues to be to this day.
0: Very cool. Loretta, how about you? Is there a teacher that comes to mind? Yeah, well I'm also not the brightest when it comes to math. Like you. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You're in good company. Mm-hmm. But my favorite teacher was a math teacher, Mr. T. He was amazing. Not uh, the guy from the A team. No, no, no. No, okay. No. <laughs> that would have been really cool, though. <laughs> um, but no, he used to reward us. He used to help us out, if, especially during tests, like if we had any questions. And if he saw that we were really, really putting in an effort... He would, this was back in elementary school, he would stamp our uh, cards. He would give us two stamps so that we would be one step ahead to go to the dance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like a two-for-one deal he would give you. Yeah. And he helped you on tests as well? He did. did. Wow. He really did. But only (laughs) if he saw if we were really putting in the effort. (laughs) All right. Well, here's a a pretty good teacher in his own right, uh, Professor Paul Delaney. He's been standing by on the line. He, of course, is our uh, space expert, and he joins us now from York University. Paul, good afternoon.
2: Hi there, Jeff. Interesting conversation you guys are having. Teachers are so, so important.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Could you imagine, though, being in the same classroom for 46 years?
2: It, that that does have a touch claustrophobic to me. <laughs> that goes off to him, no question. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll tell you this, though. The, the funniest part of this story is because we all have one or, well, maybe four or five, if you're in high school, right, uh, yearbooks where you've had to take a, a picture. He's been in the school yearbook for 40-plus 40 decades, 46 years. So it's funny. You can just flip through, and, uh, you know, it's a timeline of his uh, life. He's uh, 40 every year. He's documented his appearance. <laughs>
2: Great continuity. <laughs> now, just just before we get chatting on other things, Krista McAuliffe, who was the uh, school teacher, astronaut, who unfortunately uh, perished during the Challenger incident, had a wonderful statement that she issued just before the launch. I, you know, I touch the future, I teach. And I am sure that that resonates with all teachers, including this gentleman in Edmonton.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Since uh, obviously we have you here to talk uh, space, we want to start uh, with uh, Mars because there's a new study out to Paul that suggests we only need roughly 100 people to colonize uh, Mars.
2: Doesn't that sound a little low? It does to me, uh, you know, we've all read lots and lots of science fiction and we've watched SF movies and they seem to suggest that a larger colony at a 100 people is needed. Uh, but uh, as this particular article indicates, there's never actually been a really clinical study done to actually ascertain what is the minimum number, take your resources, have your genetic uh, mix in the pool, uh, the various professionals that you need, and so put it all together, and now that we know what resources exist on Mars, put all that sort of in the mix, and What's the magic number? And the number appears to be about 110. I, like you, that strikes me as a touch low, and the authors do go, at, go to some lengths to say, you know, this is you know, cutting it fine, and if, if there was an accident of any description, that would imperil the, uh, the, the colony uh, from the outset and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, if you're really looking for a more realistic number, you probably want to hedge your bets with a few more than 110, but bottom line, 110 people, professionals, could do it.
0: Yeah, how important is, they say this with companies and corporations, uh, recruiting is vital. It's so important. When it comes to colonizing Mars, does that standard uh, hold true, that we better be picking... Be pretty careful when it comes to recruitment?
2: <laughs> I, I hope it's even more so, because it's a long way for a house call. I mean, you know, if you want an extra doctor, dentist, or what have you, they're not exactly on call. They're at least two years away, uh, unless you just want to do an internet call. So, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of putting a settlement on Mars, I think, is, is a fascinating one, and it's going to be part of the 21st century, uh, and it may be literally a part of, you know, the next decade, you know, 10 years from now, if people like Elon Musk have their way. So these sorts of studies are going to inform those baselines of how many people do we need to get there for it to become a viable community. And it's it's interesting that it's only 100, and if you get a couple hundred people there, well, you're obviously off to the races.
0: Do you honestly think we can get there in the next decade, in the next uh, 10 years? Is that pretty bold?
2: You know, I, I, I've been having these conversations with folks like you for literally the last 20 years, and, and it's always at least 20 years in the future. In fact, you know, if you go all the way back to the Apollo 11 era, President Nixon sort of suggested that we'll be on, the, on Mars within 20 years, and, well, we're not there yet. But when you look at the progress over the last 5 to 10 years from the commercial side, people like Elon Musk and SpaceX, it gives you a little bit more confidence, that it perhaps is only 10 years away. If we make it back to the moon uh, in 2024, 2025, and it's looking as if that's got a a real chance of happening, if SpaceX continues with its big Falcon rocket, its super heavy lifters, then the mid-2030s is not unrealistic for being on the surface of Mars.
0: All right, here with our space expert, Paul Delaney. Since we are talking timelines, Russia has just announced, uh, Paul, that they will conduct the first spacewalk with a private tourist from the International Space Station in 2023. I'm going to remind everybody we're in 2020. It's not that far off.
2: No, it's not. I mean, you know, Space Adventures has been taking... Tourists to the International Space Station. Literally, since 2001, there have been, I think, nine or ten space tourists so far, Uh, and now they're getting back into the business, shall we say? Because Russia has a few seats. The the only reason it stopped is that Russia was the only crew, the only vehicle in town that could take people up to the International Space Station, and of course, all of their seats were needed for the 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 real astronauts, shall we say? Now that we've got uh, you know SpaceX taking US astronauts up, Soyuz has a few spare seats and they're being sold for cash uh, to space tourists. So yeah, we're going to see three or four space tourists in the next two to three years. And interestingly, as you say, one of them is going to go for a walk. Uh, you know, a bit of spare cash is needed here, by the way, uh, it's probably about a $15 million stroll uh, outside of the space station. And that's excluding probably the 20 to 30 million to get you up there.
0: Could you imagine doing this, Paul? I mean, it's one thing to go into space and then be on the International Space Station. Isn't it something else? I mean, you're definitely taking it to another level if you decide you're going to do a spacewalk.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no doubt in the world that all of the astronauts who have ever come back uh, to talk about their experiences in Earth orbit they, their eyes literally just, you know, far off glaze when it comes to the spacewalk. It's, it's obviously a very magical experience. It's full of effort and work and so on because you're outside working really hard for the eight hours. But talk about a room with a view. I mean, you know, these, these folks just love it. So I, I'm sure that the space tourist is going to be absolutely blown away. But I hope they've got three tethers on them. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. Space is difficult uh, and to be outside in you know, a completely whitelist environment with with nothing around you, yeah, it'd be a bit scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, scary and demanding. I mean, what sort of training is somebody going to have to go through to be ready to do this?
2: Well, I mean, that's that's the difference between you and I sort of, you know, getting ready to run a small marathon and a real professional who's going to run a marathon. When you're going outside to work in a space suit, it takes literally months if not a year to perfect your technique in, you know, buoyancy tanks. You've got to be at the peak of physical fitness, your endurance has got to be high and so on and so forth. It's hard. But what the tourist is going to be doing literally is just going to be floating around the place. And their companion, who's going to be a professional astronaut, is not going to be more than a handhold away. So they're not going to be going out and sort of changing batteries or repairing solar panels. They're going to be out there having the time of their life and just looking around and ogling and taking photographs. For, for yeah. Is it going to be
0: kind of like when somebody goes skydiving for the first time and they're tethered to an instructor, like a, a joint right. jump?
2: That's right. I'm sure it's going to be like that. They're not going to let let the tourists off a leash. There's no question in the world about that. But that won't matter to them. Uh, you know, the fact that they are actually outside the International Space Station, tethered, that won't bother them in the slightest. Uh, I mean, in a way, I'm envious. It's, it's never going to happen to me, unfortunately. But, you know, I think this will be absolutely fabulous. And get used to it because, you know, SpaceX is going to be taking tourists into Earth orbit aboard their uh, Crew Dragon vehicle next year as well. Wow. More and more of this is gonna happen.
0: You know, if it was me to go on the spacewalk, I'd be more than happy to be tethered to a fellow astronaut. As a matter of fact, if I went out there I'd be probably just clutching to the International Space Station. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you've enjoyed skydiving too, I can tell.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hugging that thing is <laughs> I would not let go. Paul, thanks for the time as always. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Yeah. Take care. All right, be well. There goes our space expert Paul Delaney from York University.